Welcome to the For Fox Sake podcast, by the fans, for the fans. With all the news, views and discussion from two lifelong Leicester City supporters. It's your show, so get in contact, make yourselves heard, what's your opinion? The only Leicester City podcast that's by the fans, for the fans. This is For Fox's Sake. Hello and welcome to For Fox's Sake and it's it's deja vu all over again. It's uh, another sacking episode. Klopp has been sacked early on this morning. This is Sunday if you're listening to it uh, in the UK. We've got listeners all around the world and... um, it might not be a, a a big surprise to many people. It might be a surprise to for some. But anyway, um, he's been sacked, and we are now doing a podcast based on his sacking. Um, and Rob Hayes is on your on the line. I'm in Fox Eight HQ. You're in Fox Eight HQ too. Uh, Rob, first of all, your initial reaction to the the sacking? Uh not surprised. Uh, and not as bothered as I thought I would be. Actually, we we've very much been sort of on the fence on this podcast, haven't we? Some weeks we're we're more in favour of him leaving than others, and we we try and present a balanced argument uh, for our own sanity as well as the listeners. Initial reaction is well, we lost four one to Palace. How much longer could the losing run continue? Um, six games without a win. Uh, not particularly surprised, both in terms of our club and the current way that football is with with the rain or lack of uh, length of rain of managers. Absolutely, completely agree with you. Um, basically, uh, we, we're we going to be talking about Claude, about his um, term in charge of Leicester, about the future. But straight away, we'll go to the listeners of the show. That's, that, that's the whole point. And we asked on Twitter and Facebook uh, straight away, you know, what do you think? Who's the next person in charge? The standard questions when it comes to who's the next manager and when there's a manager sacking at a football club, which we've had quite a bit of experience about in uh, in the last few months. Uh, what, what what are the details? You've got, six, was it 16 months in charge of Leicester Clopwell and what, the third or fourth manager in, what, 23? Yeah, we're looking for our fourth permanent manager in 23 months and look there's all sorts of stats banded about and I know we want to get onto the fans questions but just something I found interesting in the same article two stats last season he took us um from third from bottom when he took over up to ninth which was only our second top 10 Premier League finish since the year 2000 which if you paint that in its own picture and don't consider anything else you'd say oh that's pretty good actually um but then another record that he set for the first time since 2000 that was our fourth consecutive home defeat and the first time that's happened since the year 2000. And we've conceded the first goal more times than any other team in the Premier League this season. So you look, you can you can back up your own argument with stats um, left, right and centre. But the fact is, yeah, fourth permanent manager we're now seeking in less than two years. At least it gives us something to talk about, hey? It does. <laughs> it really does. Now... I've bumped into a few people who uh, have been asking me questions. I've bumped into a few people who who just was just generally talking about football in general, who I didn't know, and were talking about Leicester, and um, and there's many different opinions, and it's an interesting theory. You've been on different radio stations. I've been on different radio stations in the last what ten hours or so uh, regarding the sacking, and um, 
the first thing is there's, there's a lot of people outside of the county, outside of the Leicester bubble, who have been almost saying, you know, it, it, it's like player power or uh, Leicester are above their station. They, they, they're they expecting too much after their league winning season. And, and I, I was asked this question, I was working this morning, I was I was on, I was broadcasting on air when when the news broke and uh, and and I was asked the question and and I I said about the Leicester bubble I says I says no I says if you're a supporter of another team outside of Leicester you know you're a Liverpool fan or a Huddersfield fan or whoever I says if you're a fan of another club you, you obviously you're not you've not got your ear to the ground you don't follow that club closely. It's very easy to to tarnish, or not even tarnish, to 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 paint the picture of Leicester fans wanting more because of that Leicester uh, the league win. But I, I I kept an arguing the fact that I think the average Leicester fan, and correct me if you think this is wrong, we of course you will, Rob. But um, I think Leicester fans in general this season. We, we we've forgotten about the league win. This is a different team. It's a young team. There's there's not many of that team on the fifteen sixteen season that are currently in the squad, and we're not expecting too much because of the league win at all. That's completely in the past. It's because of what we've got currently in terms of having Harry Maguire, Ben Chilwell in the side, along with the likes of obviously Vardy and Schmeichel from that era, but. Because of the team we've got, we, we we are expecting slightly more than what some supporters of other clubs maybe think that we should be kind of aiming for and happy with, like a top 12 finish, which, of course, a few years ago, we'll be delighted with. But what what's your thought on that? Yeah, I think our expectations are very much in the present. I think you're absolutely right. You look at the Premier League table right now. And seventh place is very much up for grabs for six to eight clubs. And there is absolutely no reason and there is absolutely nothing wrong with Leicester fans wanting that kind of success for their team. And let's be honest, seventh would be a very successful season for us. We're not asking Club World to go and win the Premier League for us. Like you say, Pete, that was it's it's uh, not a distant memory, but it's a memory that we treasure fondly. But I don't think that influences... Uh, our expectations of today. Seventh place is well up for grabs. Everything about the club is pushing towards us trying to establish ourselves as as contenders for European places in the nearish future. Um, and you look at the, the squad on paper and the ability that they clearly have and they've shown in patches and all of the expectations that we've got are based on that. They're not based on on uh, on the fact that we should be pushing for top four because we won the league a few years ago. It's not it's not based on anything to do with that. Seventh is achievable. Um, the quality of the players is high, and and their ability to to play good, attractive, effective football is clearly there. Um, and the, there's no there's no reason, and there's nothing wrong with us having those expectations. I think for people outside of, as you say, outside of the Leicester area or the club or the or the bubble if you like saying that it's down to um a few years ago and the title success absolutely not rubbish yeah i i completely agree and uh, that's going to be labeled at many leicester fans on social media and also in in the media as general and also i wouldn't say it's a criticism i'd say that would be an easy angle to come from if you're a supporter of another team outside of leicester so if if you do get that on social media, okay, respond how you like. But for me, I I would just turn around and go, 
I disagree with it, but I know exactly where you're coming from. Um, let's go straight to the questions. Um, right, Simon Marlow uh, does the club, and again, this is obviously breaking news. It's happened early on this morning. Um, we've not spoken about it. We've come straight on air with the podcast. So if <laughs> if we do stumble over our our thoughts and we maybe contradict ourselves, we are just literally going straight from the whim. You've not heard the questions. I'm reading them as they're coming through. Uh, does the club need to curb some sort of player power? This is Simon Marlow on Twitter. Seems to me that some of the senior players have acquired a say in the last three managerial changes. Uh, very good question, Simon. I, um, I I agree in some ways. The, the, there's one thing I would say is that um, when I changed over shifts at work, um, a broadcaster who took over from me in the afternoon, he, 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 he echoed these thoughts. And I said, well, but Claudio needed to be changed when he when he was in charge because we were going to get relegated. And then Shakespeare was changed at the start of the season because, yes, he did very well at the end of the season, but it didn't start out very well and they had to give him the job. So it was kind of like a, a forced change. So, yes, it's a number of managerial changes in, in, a, in a certain amount of time. But for me, those first two, they, they had to have happened because of, of what was going on in that immediate circumstance regarding the club so when it comes to player power I don't think there's any surprise in Leicester fans that Vardy and Puel have maybe not quite seen eye to eye regarding the way that they play and it's not played to um, Vardy's strengths but when it comes to player power we mentioned on the last episode that because of the amount of youngsters that are in the team now the, the youth that's been brought through because they've really not had anyone else in charge of Leicester it, it, it it's like that the players have, have not really had any fallback so they're not going to say oh yeah well what about when Pearson was in charge or when Claudio was in charge when we won this when we won that it's a brand new team it's a it's the, they've promoted these players ahead of experienced players so the youngsters are going to be encouraged by the fact that Claude's given that position in the, in the side. So when it comes to player power, I think probably not. But I will agree the fact that Vardy would not be fully au fait with what was going on with Puel. And obviously the Schmeichel conversation, especially with his dad a few weeks ago, that's no slip. That that obviously happened. And we know that um, you know Casper will probably be frustrated as as much as anyone in the stands because he'll be sat there watching it in goal, watching what's going on. So I, I think all the the stuff about Vardy and and Casper is probably true, but I don't think they have a complete hold over the entire squad in terms of like a. I don't think they're down tools for the manager. It's a very easy term to label for a squad of players that they down tooled for a manager. I don't think that happened with Claude. What do you think, Rob? No, I don't think so. It's it's again, it's something that's quite easy to comment on from outside of the um, the Leicester circle, uh, because there were such high profile uh, outings, if you like. I won't say interviews as such, because neither player in in if you're talking Vardy and Schmeichel actually came out and said anything really untoward. But Casper's uh, was um, hinted at through his dad's comments and Vardy. Uh, you know, you got you got the post match thing where did he or didn't he swear something towards one of the other players about 
Claude Puel, you, you know, we'll never know that. But the interview where he very casually sort of said, does does Claude Puel style suit me? Not really. But uh, but he, he followed that up in, in the same sentence by saying, but it's down to me to work hard and, and adapt myself. The problem is, look, there's, there's one manager, right? And there are anything up to sort of 25 uh, first team players, senior squad members, whatever you want to call them. Um, so are the players always going to have more power than the manager? Absolutely. Unless the manager brings in a staff that is of larger number than players, which quite frankly would be ridiculous, then the manager is always going to be outnumbered in that sense. Were Vardy and Schmeichel leading a revolt behind the scenes? I very much doubt it because although uh, recent results haven't been fantastic... We talked on our last podcast about the performance against Spurs being one of the best of the season and, and the most proud we've been after Which a Leicester was. League defeat. Absolutely. And look, I'll, I'll be completely honest right now. I didn't see the Palace game uh, yesterday because I was in the heart of Wales you watching the rub- Snowden. Yeah, well, yeah, I was climbing Snowden the day before, but I was watching the rugby um, in a pub, and I think if I'd have asked them to put Leicester Palace on another screen, I'd have got absolutely lynched <laughs> by hundreds, oh, you of, should have done. You hundreds should have of Welsh well. rugby fans. So all I've seen is is um, is the sort of text commentaries, the Twitter updates, etc., and, and then match of the day and extended highlights today via other channels and whatsoever. But you look at the, the stats and from the people that I've spoken to that were at the game, they said Leicester played pretty well. Uh, and it's just a case of, the, look, we had 27 shots yesterday. If if this team weren't playing for that manager, they'd have, as you said, it would have been quite obvious that they would have downed tools, I don't think, for a second that they, that they did. I think they either bought into his philosophy, if you're talking about the younger players, because... Claude Puel's philosophy gave them game time, gave them the exposure, put somebody like Ben Chilwell in the England squad, and that's largely down to Claude Puel. Um, and the senior players were were well aware of the fact that it was down to them to adapt to to fit into the and the mould and and being the professionals that they are, they were they were trying to do that. So. I, th- I can see where the player power thing comes from. And it, again, there was the the old snake thing where certain players were allegedly went to the board and the and the owners uh, in previous managerial decisions. But look, ultimately, Claude Puel's lost his job because the results recently weren't good enough. His affinity with the fans was non-existent. And, and that's that. Whether the players were speaking out against him or not, the, the outcome would have been the same. Absolutely agree. Uh, a friend of mine, Chris Burton, who's a Nottingham Forest fan, says, do you admit uh, whatever you try, Nottingham Forest will always be more prolific, better at uh, sacking managers? I'd agree because because <laughs> they've had a terrible record and they've got Martin in charge now. So I'll let him have the uh, little bit of glory on the podcast there. But uh, yeah, I think it's the frequency of uh, sacking managers, which is uh, resonated with fans again all over the place, even obviously Forest fans. Uh, Richard Enriquez says, uh, would you rather have the style of so-called uh, football philosophy or the Foxes never quit gritty game? Personally, I'd rather have the latter, knowing the lads are playing for their shirts. And I, I think that echoes with a lot of fans. A lot of people have labelled Leicester as being 12th in the league or 13th in the league and uh, being above their station, i.e. they think they should be higher in the league look where you are. That's an easy thing to say, what we were saying earlier in the conversation about the club as a whole, but not knowing about the performances, especially at home, uh, about the um, frequent defeats, especially to um, Crystal Palace. But um, 
I think I think Richard's hit the nail on the head regarding if we're in this position in the league, yet we're playing attractive attacking football with these youngsters and it not quite working out because they're a very, very young side, but you could see the direction they were going. I think that the the fans would be absolutely fine with that and know the direction the club's going. I think it's just because of the really poor results, especially at home, um, regarding these young players, it, it, it's just culminated in a lot of things that, that you mentioned earlier about, about Claude. Hazit Patel, a regular uh, Twitter responder, on uh, obviously on Twitter, um, has Puel advanced our football slash changed our style? Do we revert to type or continue the evolu- uh, evolution with a new manager? That's 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 a, a really good question, and it's something that we'll, I think we'll we'll definitely touch on when we talk about the new managers later on in the episode. Um, another regular tweeter, Anthony Dickens, says, uh, "Where do you rank Puel?" This is a good question to you, Rob. Where do you rank Puel in the managers we've had in the last ten years? So you're going back to the likes of Pearson, obviously, and then you've got Sven, and then you've got Pearson again, and 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 you've got the managers that we've had. I think we can just sum this up in terms of uh, what would you look back on the Claude reign being. So if you had the Fossils and Foxes book in 20 to 30 years' time, and it had the era of Puel, what to you would it say? Um, not an awful lot. Let's be perfectly honest. I, I think if we if we're writing uh, that chapter of fossils and foxes on air right now, you I, I would have to say managed transition period fairly well. I'm not. I don't think he's not um revolutionised anything. He could have done a lot of things better, but let, let's be honest, he could have done an, an awful lot worse than he has as well. He steadied the ship when he first came in, um, took us away from danger very comfortably, uh, and all right, the the run towards the end of last season was was not the most inspiring, which I think meant, then meant that we well, took it, a little it, it bit... It was dreadful, Rob. It was absolutely it, it, it was, but it meant that Leicester fans took a bit of hostility towards Puel into the summer, such was the fact that lo- lots of fans thought, well, let's get rid of him now and get somebody else in. Uh, and look, we've gone through Me patches included. Of, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we, we talked about that at length on this podcast. But he's, look, he's brought in and brought through some quality young players who we talk about on this podcast and as Leicester fans in general, who we talk about being potentially very, very, very good and showing some of their ability now. He's taken the chance on playing all of those. Look, Fuchs had a decent game by all accounts yesterday, but he, Claude Puel's the one that, that's given Ben Chilwell the starting berth at left-back. He's the one that's brought in James Madison and said, you make us tick. And Madison's created some of the most, uh, some of the highest number of goal-scoring opportunities in the Premier League this season. He's taken... Yeah, Wilfred and Didi um, and said, look, you need to take yourself control of the central midfield. He's just brought in Yuri Tielemans, who's one of the most highly rated um, uh, with the most high potential central midfielders going. You know, he's he's recruited two other young centre-backs. He's, he, he was in the process, I think, of transitioning the team. And look, he's uh, personnel-wise, he did excellently. Tactically, he didn't find a way for us to be effective when his style of football wasn't working. So I think his stubbornness. But yeah, if I had to sum it up in a nutshell, I'd say managed transition period fairly well. 
Um, it's an, it's it's a very good question. Where would you rank Puel in in managers you you've had in the last ten years? And I think this is where we we talk about his legacy at the club. You you've summed it up very well there. I would say I I would agree with you. I would say that he's he's obviously negotiated the the area surrounding the chairman's uh, death very very well in terms of his sensitivity, and it was obviously a very hard decision for top to make. Um, also he he's been you know a, a gentleman uh, you know he, he comes across as a really nice guy you, you have to say that I don't think any fans hated him it's just that they disagree with him on football terms you know it, it he always came across as a, as a nice chap but if you look at his football legacy at Leicester he was changing the star he brought through plenty of youngsters he progressed these youngsters into the first team squad very well um, there's a lot of credit when it comes to that side of things, I think Tillemans, if you know, if he ends up being a Leicester player, has to be a, a big tick in Puel's book because of the links to himself and Monaco, etc. Would that have happened under another manager? Probably not. Um, so there's, there's many positives, you know, changing our, our, our direction of football away from ultimately what was successful a number of years ago, but what at the time a lot of Leicester fans were, were saying, you know, kind of is the problem in the way, you know, we were slipping down the league, it wasn't sustainable uh, playing that kind of football. But then you look at the other side of things and it's the relationship with the fans. He never took to the fans uh, in the way that his demeanour was during interviews, which I know is a big thing because I look at back at someone like Ian Holloway, who was an absolute clown at Leicester, and you don't want someone who's just bouncing around a rent-a-quote guy. But you could not relate to Claude in any way, shape or form. And you have to say that if that was his conversation to the press, whether it be on TV or on radio, what was his conversation to the team? It had to have been roughly the same. In, and it's not that fans look at him and go like, he's not giving the best, He's not. he's not making us laugh during interviews. It's... Fans understanding the football and understanding the fact that he's doing exactly the same back to these players and the players who many of them they're just they're just normal people. They must be looking around going, "What's this guy on about?" Claude's had a lot of success in France. He's obviously, you know, it it sounds silly, but his grasp of the English language was ultimately many of his. Um, Minus points in terms of uh, of the fans of the club because he could not communicate effectively to the interviewer, to TV, to the fans when it comes to these sort of things, what he was trying to do. We knew what he was trying to do because we watched what's happening on the pitch, but it's it's really hard for us to assign ourselves to this manager. Um, you look at managers like uh, Dyche at Burnley, like Howe at Bournemouth, who have been there for a number of years, and uh, I'll, I'll refer to the Daesh, for example, who's been promoted with Burnley, got relegated, got promoted again. He's their manager. Now, Claude, and, and, and so, so the fans of Burnley associate themselves with that manager. If they have a bad season, okay, fine, let's rebuild, but there's no question about changing the manager. No question at all. He's our manager. We go again. We buy new players. We change maybe the formation. We uh, promote some youngsters. We go again, like when Martin was in charge at Leicester. Martin O'Neill. In you know, we buy some new players. We sell someone. We we the, the the team evolves. But there's no question about changing the manager. He's the manager of the football club. 
Claude never had that. Nigel Pearson had that to Leicester. The fans identified with him. And when the team evolved into ultimately the team that got promoted, it was fine. But there was no question about him being the manager. And, and Claude never had that to Leicester. He never had that affinity with the fans. And that's that's my main take. So where would you rank Claude in the last 10 years of manager? It, it would be in the also runs, really. Um, I think in years to come, it might change. I think you might look back and go, the promotion of certain players was, was a, a great thing. And Chilwell would be the main example because he's obviously the first choice at uh, left-back for England. Uh, Alan March, obviously this uh, podcast heavily associated with Alan March Sports, uh, he's tweeted, big Forest fan as well, but he goes, this is the beginning of the revolving door in seriousness, by the way. Uh, you could have kept Claude to the end of the season and then bring in a new man. Um, or now you bring in a new guy until Christmas uh, this year. Uh, and then you target stability for a new manager. So he's kind of going along the lines of when we sacked um, Ranieri and brought in Shakespeare. And then we sacked Shakespeare after. But um, my question to you, Rob, is that I don't think that might happen at all. I think that they might keep Stahl, for ex- for example, in charge until the end of the season. What's your thoughts on that? Do you think that... I think the, the game on Tuesday is vital. If they beat Brighton... They might keep Mike Stowell in charge, along with others, in caretaker charge until a summer decision. It's an interesting one because you've got to wonder whether the sacking of Claude Puel is an instant reaction to a 4-1 defeat to Crystal Palace or is it a more measured approach that has been being considered and the ramifications of which have been considered for the last month or two, let's say, uh, and they might have somebody lined up. It's, it's, um, it's a difficult time of year to bring in a manager with longer-term aspirations. But impossible, if you think, impossible time of year, impossible. Yeah, absolutely. But if you think about how fickle the world of football managers is at the moment, can anybody expect to either hire a manager um, based on long-term um, goals or a manager themselves, can they expect to be hired on the basis of long-term goals? You're looking for somebody to come in and start winning football matches straight away to make sure that any um, worry that's maybe niggling at the back of somebody's mind that we might get relegated or at least dragged into the scrap uh, goes away and we can start looking up and saying, well, let's finish inside the top 10 and restock for next season. You're looking for somebody to come in and make that impact right now. Um then long term, where do you go? Look, the pro- the problem is at the moment. Every time we've lost a manager, let's say lost, sacked, left, whatever, uh, and you put in somebody in caretaker charge, there is somewhere at least somebody with um, strong uh, leadership or coaching qualities. And look, Mike Stout. I'm just looking at the list of um, previous caretaker managers Mike Stahl took caretaker charge with John Rudkin and Steve Beaglehole back in August 2007 and he did so again with Chris Powell in October 2010 and he did so again with Rudkin and Beaglehole in 2011 and uh, now he's found himself there again now there isn't anybody apart from Adam Sadler who has been listed as the, the as the sort of co-caretaker manager if you like but between them They've they've not got experience of leading a football team. At least 
I'm surprised they haven't named Beaglehole because he's been in charge of the development squad for so long um, that uh, he's clearly used to managing teams in match situations. Okay, it's the Premier League 2 and it's the under-23s, whatever you, whatever you want to call it. But at least he's got the experience of, of leading a team on a match day. I don't think you can leave Mike Stowell and Adam Sadler in charge to the end of the season, regardless of what happens against Brighton. I'd love us to beat Brighton. I'd love us to get three points. I'd love us to win a game at home for once um, and and actually put some points on the board in 2019. But you've got to find somebody who is capable of putting a team out. And I know Stowell and Sadler would have done a lot of the groundwork in terms of preparing the team for matches and tactically etc but it will all have been overseen by somebody else and it always has been why has Mike Stowell always either been a goalkeeping coach or a first team coach or assistant coach or whatever why is Adam Sadler I know he's quite he was quite a young lad who came through the the coaching ranks as you if you like but we're Leicester City Football Club we're looking to expand our stadium to a sort of up to 40 odd thousand we're looking to try and establish ourselves as a top 10 team you can't leave the rest of the season in the hands of two blokes who are part of a coaching staff and our coaches. They might turn out to be good managers one day, but now's not the time to test that, surely. I completely agree. I, the the bid hole thing was first on my list. I, I, I literally uh, straight away thought this, surely it's a chance for, for him to step up. And it might well be. It might well be the case that he's behind the scenes. And he'll step up again. We don't know. We'll wait and see what happens uh, the game against Brighton. And again, if they win against Brighton, there's more chance of that sort of thing happen. Look, hold the fort, lads, and then we'll bring in someone and along with the backroom staff, and we'll talk about that in the, in, in the next few minutes. But um, it's a very interesting time. It's not like we've sacked someone and we've got the England uh, coach in terms of what Craig Shakespeare was at the time um, in backroom, and then he can come in and, and lead the side. Now, maybe Stahl has that authority. We'll wait and see. Um, personally, I'd, I'd, I'd like to see that. I don't, I don't think there's any benefit in bringing some outside help in to the club to then change hands again in the summer. I'd like it to be an in-house thing. And I think that's what Leicester would like to do as well. Um, also, you know, just regarding the second as whole, well, I don't think this, this decision was made on the hop regarding top. We have to look back at obviously what's happened in the last few months uh, regarding Vishai, but it, it shows you that with Vishai listened to the supporters and in terms of his sackings of managers, uh, I remember saying on the podcast when we lost at Millwall in the FA Cup that Ranieri should be sacked and a few weeks later he was sacked after the first leg at Sevilla in the uh, Champions League, so it was it was it was spot on with kind of my thinking. And then with Shakespeare, it he had to have been given the job because of what happened, and you never know; it might have been a great success. And was he pushed slightly early? But it was a decision taken, and it was taken, and a new person was brought in, and ultimately it proved to be for that season at least successful in terms of keeping in the Premier League, etc. Um, and obviously with the future of the club. You know, looking for at the time they were obviously looking at a new training ground and, and, and building on the future. So, when people label Leicester as a sacking club, I I always disagree because I think I agree with all the sackings. You look at Shakespeare, Ranieri, and now Claude. 
when they were sacked, I think it was it was Bob on. It was exactly where I thought. Um, but uh, another question I've got here: I wouldn't be surprised if Nigel Pearson comes back for a temporary charge. Uh, what do you think? You tell me. That's uh, Joe on Twitter. I, I don't think um, Nigel will be near the club. I don't, uh, even though he was obviously sacked at, uh, at, the, at the club in Belgium. I don't think that had an effect. It, uh, even if he was top of the league, I don't think it was. Uh, he would come back and be a, a part-time manager. Again, I think the hierarchy at the club want to bring in, uh, sorry, don't want to bring in someone. I think they want to uh, just coast to the end of the season and bring someone in as a, as a manager for the start of next time. Uh, ben Payne seems as though the club will go for Benitez or Rogers in the summer. Uh, who would they get on a short-term basis if anyone's, uh, is anyone's guess? But uh, again, exactly, who, who would they get? get short uh, term but for me Rob um, the conversation now moves on to the future we've covered Claude we've covered what he's done to the club in terms of promoting youngsters we we know about the bad results the home record for me really sticks out and and, and one thing that's not been mentioned in many of the mainstream media uh, Five Live I was into a lot today um, one or two uh, it was a there was a great point I was listening to it for a, for a half an hour or so, and they were talking about the club, and they didn't mention it. And and all of a sudden, they went to the the basically the live the live um, angle from uh, Wembley where the League Cup final took place. It was very early in the afternoon, and their guests were Neil Lennon, Steve Claridge, <laughs> Michael Appleton. It was it was unbelievable. It was, it was a who's who, and then they had Robert Huth on as well, who spoke very candidly. And so it was a who's who of Leicester, and um, and it, and it was just it was really interesting to hear their points of view. Huth was very um, forthright in his views of that the communication side of the things regarding Puel and the players. Uh, it just wasn't there, which is pretty much what every Leicester fan was kind of on board with. Um, but but regarding the the other players, they were talking about the cup runs that they had in the nineties, Lennon and obviously Claridge and. It's one thing that's not been mentioned an awful lot, and it's the re- the response to Claude's select um, selections in the cup, how we lost on penalties, or sorry, in, in extra time and penalties last season in the FA Cup and the League Cup quarterfinals, and then we've done it again on penalties in the League Cup this time round, and then lost to Newport. Fair play to Newport, but Claude's record in the cups, which is a club the size of Leicester who have won the league recently should be going for that is a it's a real down point which has been missed by a lot of people yeah but there's been a lot a lot of other stuff to talk about recently hasn't there and i think on those individual occasions we we aired our thoughts um on on this podcast and in various other forms of media but yeah look one way to endear yourself to fans even if you're struggling as Claude Puel was is to go and win something especially when you know that you're not going to win the league, let's say. Yet you don't need to reserve any energy to keep yourselves out of a relegation battle either. We were always going to comfortably finish mid-table this season. I don't think there's any question about that. Would you have rather finished 12th and won the League Cup? Absolutely. You know, it's a day out at Wembley. It's, It's moments that fans remember. It's creating these memories for fans and the moments to savour and he had opportunities to do that this season and last season and, and didn't do it. And, and another way that he struggled to 
or seemingly struggled to grasp what the fans wanted. Mate, I completely agree. Um, I, I think this is one of the main reasons. As much as obviously the Premier League form, especially the home form, but if I was, and of course I am a Leicester fan, and people ask me over the coming days, what do you think? I would remind people that we had real opportunities to get into the semi-finals and obviously then possibly the final of cup competitions the last two years, and, and we have failed. And that, for me, is probably more of a damning statement on Claude than the Premier League form, because I think we'll be safe in the Premier League personally, but for me, it's the it's those cup exits. that That's really resonated with me, and it's resonated with what I believe the majority of Leicester fans really take to heart, because again, yeah, we've won the league. We won the league a few years ago. We want to cement this section of our history with a few cup victories. You know, we if you finish 10th or you finish 13th or you finish 8th or you finish 15th, as long as you're safe, for Leicester fans, that's fine. We want to go further in the cup. So to put out a weakened team in quarter-final action against Man City and lose on penalties when you possibly should have won, and then do the same thing the next year, that, for me is one of the big the big things um, with with Claude. And, and if someone asked me, that would be one of the main points. I, I'd refer to the cup. Um, but we look forward, Rob. And the question is now, who is the next Leicester manager? Who do you want? Who do the fans want? Uh, I asked the same question on Twitter uh, earlier, and I asked it on uh, Facebook as well. We'll go to the Facebook here. Uh, Ron Adams, Rafa, please. Uh, Ken uh, Libby says uh, out of the names I've heard uh, I'd say Brendan obviously Brendan Rogers or Rafa if they uh, convince them so obviously both of them um, Pitor McKelkey apologies about the pronunciation you know how bad I pronounce words uh, Rob Brendan Rogers, please he's going to um, take us to the Europa League which we'd be delighted with we've said I'd love a, a trip to Kazakhstan in uh, late July in the Europa League I think most Leicester fans would uh, Dennis says, uh, uh, yeah, good choice. I think he was referring to uh, probably Brendan Rodgers there. Uh, Dave Lusby, Brendan or Hal, uh, I really can't see either of them coming unless we wave an enormous carrot in front of their noses. And Patrick says, uh, best ask Vardy who he wants, which is a really good term. <laughs> Obviously referring to player power. Now, Rob Hayes of, for fuck's sake, t- uh, fame, <laughs> who... Do you want, as the next Leicester manager, and I ask this as someone who has not heard your thoughts before regarding the next Leicester manager, but a realistic target, who would you like in charge at the start of next season? You've got to use the word fame very loosely there when you're relating it to For Fox Sake podcast, but I'll take your point. Um, Do you know what? I've been asking myself this question and I knew you'd ask me this question. I knew the the listeners would want to hear our responses to this question and I'm still not really much closer to having an answer. Um I am. I know I know you are because you tend to be more forthright in your opinions than me. Um I would like all right. Um, 
<laughs> you said we were going to stumble over our words and backtrack a little bit in this podcast. So this is what's happening right now. This is me stalling for time, looking at the list of um, favourites uh, with the bookies that right at the moment to be. Oh, don't do that. Don't 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 no, don't no, no, look no, at the bookies list. No, what I've, I'm trying I've, to do I've, is I've that... broken. I've broken the bookies already today. Don't don't worry about that. I know you have, but I'm trying to discount names, and there are a lot that I can discount. Is there anybody hand on heart that I could sit here right now and say? There's the right man for the Leicester job. No, none of us can know, can we? And look, the last couple of appointments. No, but it's, um, it's, it's, your, it's, it's, it's your thought. It's, it's your your heartfelt thought. Who I know. do you I'm, want to see? I'm thinking out loud right now. That's that's um, what this podcast is about. That's what I'm doing. I'm thinking. All we I'm, do is I'm think out loud. We talk my... nonsense. We we think out loud. <laughs> I'm taking you through my thought processes. This is how it's this is how it's boiling down. Do you want to and, hear mine? No, because then if I say the same one, people will just think, oh, he's copying Pete. I'm going to say, in terms of realistic shots and... If you say the same one as me, it's going to work the other way now. People are going to no, go, it's oh, not be- No, it's, it's not, because because you've stated very clearly that you've got an opinion, but long before I've whittled on and, and provided these delaying tactics. In terms of the fact that this person has managed at a high level, has... Uh, a track record of both attractive and effective football. And You're going to say the could, same person as me. And could be in the market for a move. I'm going to say Brendan Rodgers. Well, obviously, Brendan Rodgers is the um, is the favourite, according to the bookies. And uh, That's not the reason I picked him. No, no, uh, no, I, I, I completely agree. Now, I'm going to give you my absolute honest personal point of view. Um, for me... There's two names in 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 the hat for me. I'd love Eddie Howe. I think it's a great step up from Bournemouth. Uh, whether he would come to Leicester away from Bournemouth, who knows? But I think in terms of the youth of the Leicester side, I think it would work very well. Uh, my main pick is uh, maybe a little bit left field from many people, but I think um, Miguel Arteta at uh, Manchester City. I think a lurking alongside club, uh, working alongside. Uh, um, Guardiola for a long time uh, now at Man City and he was linked very heavily with the Arsenal manager. Again, someone that the youth of the side would associate with the link between their Man City and Leicester regarding possible loan signs. You don't know. I think there'll be a lot of goodwill sent to him in terms of his first managerial job. I think it'll be a perfect club for him. I think the style of football would be integrate well with what Claude was trying to do. Um that would be my first point. I, I would think Miguel Arteta would be a real um, coup for Leicester. I think it would send a bit of a surprise around the Premier League and the world of football and maybe just elevate Leicester slightly in terms of maybe signing. People go, oh, that would be a really nice club to go to, etc. I think it's a, a bit of a left-field signing, but I'd like... I think that, that, personally, that would be my first choice. Is it a gamble? Of course it is. But we know that if the gamble goes south... We can get another manager in this time next year. We could do the same podcast all over again. So surprisingly, my my first choice would be Miguel Arteta. But we have to talk about the two fancied in the betting. And that's been well known that Rafa Benitez has been highly thought of by the hierarchy of the club, especially Vichai, um, for many years. I don't think any Leicester fan would be disappointed if Rafa Benitez is on the touchline at the King Power at the first game of the season next year. Whether we get him or not, who knows? It's a trusty pair of hands that you can have in charge of a club for the next few years regarding 
stadium development and development of the training ground and he could attract players, bit of money, brilliant. I don't think anyone would be um, unhappy with that. And the next one, and the bookies' favourite, is Brendan Rodgers. And I think Brendan Rodgers is the clear favourite for the job. I think it's it's a perfect job for him in terms of coming down from Celtic. You have to remember what he did at Liverpool. He nearly won the league. His job at Watford, a, a friend of mine is a good Watford fan, and spoke very highly of him. We know what Brendan's like as, as as a person. He you know, rubs some people up the wrong way, this, that, and the other. But... People think you can win every single trophy going at, at, at Celtic. It's dead easy. It's not as easy as it is. He's pretty much won the treble in the last three years. He, he's won every trophy going. He's got a tremendous record and it would be a different appointment, but it would be someone with a proven track record. Again, a very... Um, it, it'd probably be the most... I mean, I know Claudio obviously had his, you know, his time at at Chelsea and he's had his success around the world but it was a real surprise but it'll probably be the the highest profile signing in terms of manager that we've had uh, Brendan Rodgers especially with the domestic media um, and I would not be unhappy if Benitez I would not be unhappy if Rodgers turned up um, and I've told you my thoughts on and how and especially Arteta what do you reckon about I, I obviously I agree with your thoughts on on Rogers I, I'd be I'd be delighted I think it would be a, a really good appointment but what are your thoughts on Arteta I don't think that he is the kind of person that we need in charge of our club now we we people are talking about it becoming a bit of a managerial merry-go-round and and obviously we've we've stated I completely agree with your points that every uh, managerial departure over the last few years has been um, totally justified and 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 perfectly well timed uh, and and results and and what have you have 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 proven that we need somebody to come in either now or in the summer and know exactly how to manage a football club of this size going forward. You look at Rafa Benitez and Brendan Rodgers, both have managed at the very top level. Rafa Benitez has managed world-class teams, whether in your view, um, people listening at home or yours, Pete, makes that... Champions that League winning teams. Exactly. Whether that makes him world-class is is completely up to your own opinion of what you define world-class to be. But if he's managed world-class teams and he's won trophies in European elite leagues, then for me, that makes him a world-class manager. People are condoning him for being quite negative at Newcastle at the minute. He's making the best of a terrible situation he's got there. He's not got the players to go out and dominate Premier League matches, so he's making them as effective as he possibly can. He interchanges between styles, between matches, within matches, uh, between the teams that he manages, whereas you look at somebody like Sarri at Chelsea or Claude Puel uh, recently departed from Leicester, and they seemed to be relatively stubborn. They were like, we're going to play this way. I'm going to force the players to play this way. Um, And without any real effectiveness, Sarri came in, changed the formation at Chelsea, made lots of players less effective, annoyed a few others, played a few in slightly different positions. Look, Kante's playing too far forward, let's be honest. Alonso is not a left-back, he's a left-wing-back at best, uh, and had a great season doing that. Puel has tried to stay... The same way he's tried to play a possession-based game and seemingly didn't realise that we won most of our games on the counter-attack this season, which is inherently what Leicester City are currently good at. So he needed you need a manager that is 
able to recognize that has the uh, the tactical know-how and the uh, mental strength to make those changes and you need somebody like Benitez and Rodgers and, and look to to quell the talk of player power you need managers that are, whose decisions are not going to be called into question Rafa Benitez cannot be called into question by somebody like Jamie Vardy or Kasper Schmeichel they just can't and fans would not question Rafa Benitez. No Newcastle fans questioning Rafa Benitez. And they're only just outside the relegation zone. He's the manager that you were talking about. The Martin O'Neill, the Nigel Pearson at times, um, the Sean Dyche at Burnley. The, the manager that is the manager regardless. And results don't go their way. He's still the manager. You know, we stick with them. Um, somebody of Rafa Benitez ilk is that soon as things go pear-shaped for Mikel Arteta or we go on a bad run if he becomes our manager, it's, oh, he's not experienced enough. He's not um, he's not managed a team before. And and quite rightly so, those questions will be asked. And I think I don't think the club needs to put themselves in that kind of position. I, I completely agree. But obviously, you know me, I'm a little bit of a little bit of a gambler and I'd uh, I'd I'd go for it but that that that's that's obviously my opinion everyone's got their own opinion and again I'd be delighted with Benitez I'd be delighted with Rogers uh, I'd be delighted with Howe and I'd be delighted with Arteta but for me it, you know the Arteta link it's it's the youth and it's the it's the Guardiola influence I watched the the chaotic <laughs> the chaotic scenes at Wembley with the League Cup final and you saw, we all know what God Guardiola is like. We know what a player he was and a manager he is. And I'm just thinking if, if the players kind of get a, a bit of a rub off that and it, Arteta turns into that kind of ilk of a manager who just has a bit of an aura about him, it could well happen. And it, it, it'd be nice if it started with Leicester. Um, and so I, I go on that. I mean, it's echoes of Spider Kalach coming on at Wembley in the... In uh, in what ninety six and all that sort of thing and uh, and obviously Clary scoring the winner but uh, it, it didn't quite happen for sorry I felt really sorry for him but it's incredibly funny but uh, who knows who knows um, the the interesting thing Rob um, and, and 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 to finish off with obviously the game against Brighton on Tuesday it's if we win that game then I'm not saying we're obviously safe. But you would say that Leicester are pretty much safe. I think we are anyway. But do you know what I mean? Um, the interesting thing is, there's eleven games to go. It's a long time. It's a. It's that's a long time. Now, if Stal takes it on and beat a hold or whatever comes in, whatever. But that's. It's a, do you think? And you know, the final real question: Do you think that there will be someone to come in in the short term just to run the show? For the next eleven games, because it's not like we've got two or three; it's eleven games, Rob. The only way you could get somebody in to do that would be to dangle the carrot at the end and say, "Well, look, you show us that you can do this in the short term, and that will very much help your audition to become the full-time Leicester City manager." Didn't um, was it? It was Rafa, wasn't it? Who did it for? For Chelsea, didn't he come in as an interim manager? He, he did it at Chelsea, but I can't see Rafa, or I can't see Arteta, I can't see Howe, I can't see Rogers. Any of the top four that we mentioned coming in now. 
no, 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 no. It, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't saying a manager. Yeah, I wouldn't say a manager of that kind of calibre right now would do that. We've not got the the pull of Chelsea who have done that. Chelsea have done that in the past as well and brought in Gus Hiddink as a as a temporary manager as well. well haven't they, 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 they bought in they bought in Roberto Di Matteo who then won the Champions League. Well, yeah, but he then got the job, didn't he? And and that didn't go so well for him. But Gus Hiddink came in on a big pay packet, knowing that he had a certain job to do and a certain time frame to do it in. Um, you've got to be looking then at managers that are currently out of work and they are uh, the likes of obviously ex-Leicester player Neil Lennon's out of work, Michael Appleton who spent a bit of time at the club currently out of work, Um, David Wagner's out of work who when he was leading Huddersfield to the dizzying heights of staying in the Premier League was somebody that was talked about as a potential Leicester manager. Um, as a as a young progressive uh, coach, I, I, I seem he was to, getting a, an average team to play good football. I seem to remember talking about him very highly on a couple of episodes, maybe in conversation with a a previous sacking of of Leicester managers. But um, again, it's it, it's managers you can see coming in for those eleven games. I, I don't think he would do that, knowing that there's a good chance he'd probably be replaced in the summer. No, I don't think Wagner would. Uh, I think. With somebody like Neil Lennon, you'd have to tread very carefully because he's got a reputation at this club. He has his place in the history of the club, um, and and maybe that should stay exactly where it is as a as a successful player in one of our best recent eras. So to that end, you're then left with um, Appleton. Would he come back on a temporary basis? Probably not. But it depends what he's after. I mean, if he's after a, a managerial job, then and he backs himself and he knows most of the players here, then would it be a bad idea for him and for the club for him to come in and, and audition himself, not necessarily just for the Leicester job, but to put himself in the shop window for the summer for another club, say a high-flying championship club or something like that, and say, look, I came in, steadied the ship, won what, two-thirds of the remaining games in, in charge, um, steadied the Leicester ship, got them to finish top half, uh, and and now I'm moving on. I think that would be... I don't. I think Apple, someone like Appleton is in a better position than many to come back. There'll be, there will always be a sense of Appleton not particularly leaving on the best of terms either because he stayed for a bit under Puel, didn't he? And then in the summer reshuffle of the backroom staff, he was out and Puel's men were in. Uh, but they've all gone now. Appleton to come in and lead and steady the ship alongside Stowell and uh, Sadler would be would be fine with me. I I just think Stowell and Sadler alone aren't capable of doing what they need to do to get this team limping over the line. And it would be a limp, I think, with those two. But you bring back Appleton, who they've worked with, who most of the players have worked with, who wants to become a manager, probably. I, mean, I don't know. I don't know him personally. But... Uh, I think he's the best short-term fix should the club go down that route. I I absolutely completely agree. I think um, it would be on a term of, look, you're coming in to be the manager. If you win every single game to the end of the season, we might consider appointing you as manager. Um, but we're not going to go the same route as we did with Shakespeare and that you know appoint someone knowing that if it slightly goes wrong at the start of the season, we'll, we'll then sack the guy. Um, I think it would be a perfect opportunity to come back and, ad, ad, up, again, advertise his qualities as a manager probably to the outside world. Um, he, he was linked heavily with 
uh, the likes of West Brom, he was, he was linked up in uh, Hibernian as well. And I think it would be a no-brainer if he was to come back. He was very cagey on Five Live as well. He didn't want to criticise Claude. He didn't want to mention anything really what was going on behind the scenes because obviously maybe it was part of the contract negotiations when he, when he left or whatever. But um, I think it would be a bit of a no-brainer alongside style etc who you mentioned uh just to come back in for the remaining games he knows all the players you know just 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 get a few wins under your belt job done fine let's roll on for next season um and again people can look at him and go he's he's been in the news he's been in the premier league it'd be a, a, an opportunity for him to like i said advertise his credentials for another job um unless he wins every single game so that would be my suggestion or let's just say they win on tuesday and then they go and win the next week, and win the next time, Stowell in charge, fine, you know, who knows, who knows, there's some big personalities in that side, the likes of Vardy and Schmeichel have, uh, I won't say a hold over the squad, but if it starts going well, and they become really entwined with what's going on with the coaches who have been there a long time, maybe we could actually play the remaining 11 games of a season with caretaker managers, knowing that they'll bring someone in in the summer, who knows? We'll, we'll wait and see. Um, I'm, I'm just looking, actually, Pete, at news reports after Michael Appleton's two-game spell as our caretaker manager. 100% win record, by the way, as Leicester manager. Um, beat Swansea and beat Leeds um, and said that he would uh, hope to be given the chance to, to uh, at Leicester. Um, you know, um, I, I, th- I think he's up. For, I think he'd be up for it. I really do. Sorry, I'm just. I was just reading that as you were as you were talking there. I mean, hundred percent win record as a Leicester manager. I I, th- I think he'll be completely up for it, but I think he'd obviously want the manager uh, manager's job. But again, if you win every single game, then why not give him the job? If he, you know, if he wins eleven on the bounce, that that'd be unbelievable. But uh, you know, give him a go. But uh, I I agree, and, and and there's not a lot to lose really in doing that. But We'll wait and see. There's the game against Fulham. It's it's vitally important. Sorry, Brighton on Tuesday. It's vitally important. Um, and we await further news. It's it's uh, it's very very strange. You know, since all the years we've been doing this podcast, uh, what what's this episode one hundred and eight or nine or whatever it is? Um, we we've done this episode a number of times now. You know, new manager on the fly. We've not prepared anything. We've not you know really looked at the tweets. We've just read them off and just said what we think, which is. I think what the listeners actually like, you know, it's just two genuine supporters who, 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 who say what they feel without, you know, trying to be uh, blasé about things and 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 they just say things on the slide. That's what or on on the hop. That's why we get things wrong. Um, in my case, pretty much all the time. But uh, it's interesting times. It's very interesting times. Um, the the one thing I saw was um, Matt Law, um, a journalist, uh, tweeted uh, today, obviously regarding the the Leicester manager's job and uh, there's a lot of people who were tweeting about the job saying it's one of the best jobs in English football going at the moment and I absolutely completely agree and this is what I really want to end on Rob and that's the fact that this job has a team of very young players by far the youngest first team squad in the Premier League by a million miles in terms of players playing uh, Premier League football. A lot of money, a brand new training ground coming to uh, the club 
a brand new, well, not brand new stadium, but an expanded stadium, facilities out of your ears, a well-run club by fantastic owners. It's one of the best jobs. In fact, it's not even that. It's the best job, as Matt Law uh, said on Twitter. It's the best job outside of the top six in the Premier League by a mile. So we should be looking for a top, top manager here. Like it, 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 We're not going to settle for any also-rounds. Uh, we're looking towards the echelon of football around Europe, around the world. This club wants or has the ambition to try and break that top six. And they've got a very talented young squad who could progress over the next few years, hopefully with the same manager, to do that. Hence the reason I mentioned uh, uh, Arteta as my selection. Um, it's a, a massively attractive job. There's no, not shame, but there's no disrespect or kind of a, a, a downward thought on the club by sacking Claude. And of course, they're always going to link it back to the league winning season and the amount of managers we've had since. There's there's no shame or tarnish on the club in doing it now. Um, it's one of the best jobs in football, especially the Premier League, that you can get right now. Yeah, very attractive job. Um, everything is in place for a manager to succeed. Uh, and I think that puts the club in a powerful position. If If the candidates that they one and the candidates of the right caliber that we're talking about there are not available r- right now at this stage of the season you can't get somebody else in you've got to you've made the decision to sack your manager you have to wait till the summer um and make sure that you make the right appointment then we're in a very very good place right now it is time wise in terms of the development of the club in terms of the age and quality of the squad time the timing is perfect for somebody to come in make a real stamp on this squad and achieve something pretty pretty good um which means that we're in a good position and the club have got to make the right decision here we've got the right people at the top to make the decision um obviously top and susan whelan will uh, will take the advice from from various parties etc and it won't be a knee-jerk decision whatsoever but we have got to make this appointment count because we're in an excellent position